This is the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Now please welcome your host, Ed McKnight. Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast. My name is Ed McKnight and today in the studio we have Carmel Murphy from Networking Queen. Carmel, how are you doing this morning? Very well, thank you. Thanks for the introduction. Oh, no trouble at all. And I'm really excited to have Carmel in the studio because I've I've been meaning to get her in for a long time because we've known each other for, how long has it been? Probably about two years or so. Maybe a fraction more. Oh, uh, because I first met Carmel as part of Auckland Young Professionals, um, which an organisation which she actually started about seven or eight years ago now. The 2nd of April 2009, there was a committee of 10 founding members that, that got it going. Fantastic. And then about two years later, Carmel has started a very interesting business, uh, which you've been running for about seven years now, called Networking Queen. Yes, I have. And... Uh, it, it's such an interesting business and I remember my eyes lighting up the first time you kind of talked about it to me because it solves a very common need, I think, in that you've got so many people who are scared of networking or find it awkward. Mainly mainly, I see young professionals being like, this is really awkward and just not really knowing how to approach it. But it seems like your, your business aims to change that. And, and how do you go about doing that? Yeah, I mean, in New Zealand, Kiwis enjoy doing business with people they know, like and trust. And so networking is a great platform actually to show people who you are and what you're about. Uh, But obviously people need an avenue or a way to be able to do that or to be able to follow a process to, to do that. And so I have a passion to help people overcome any fears they have around networking or queries or misunderstandings they have about networking and actually just get them to the point that they're comfortable with meeting new people and making new contacts. Nice. So in this episode today, we're going to talk about what networking is, when it's useful, and and hopefully to give uh, a lot of tips about how to get a little bit more comfortable with it. But it's interesting that you'd mentioned that uh, a lot of people really fear networking and going up and introducing themselves to other people. And, And that's exactly the experience you had. Am I right? Yeah, uh, so uh, some people may know this, but uh, eight years ago I was absolutely terrified of strangers. Um, I was, I would describe myself as having been painfully cringeworthy shy. Um, Someone would say hello to me and I'd go absolutely bright red. Um, And that was a culmination of things, but really it came down to the fact that I come from an absolutely massive family. Um, Both my parents are one of ten children, so I had lots of cousins that I grew up with and therefore didn't need to make friends. Um, and had lots of family occasions, so again, I didn't need to interact with people much that I didn't know, and that went sort of right through university, Um, and then it was only when I started working that I realised I didn't really know anyone, and I purposely chose jobs where I could hide in the background. Really interesting, because you come from quite a small town as well. How many people live there? I'm around 650. And that's in... Matata, uh, near Whakatane in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. I wonder whether it's the same for other people in very, very small towns, where because it's so small, you've never had to really interact with people or make friends with people outside of who you already knew, and whether that, that might be a, like a persistent kind of issue for, for people from smaller towns. Yeah, I I think that plays a role as well. Um, So, yeah, eight years ago I was shy, I was fearful, um, really awkward around people, um, go bright red. Uh, If I even needed to, for work purposes, have to go to an event or or turn up somewhere, uh, there would be sleepless nights uh, to the point where when I first made the decision that I wanted to learn how to network and talk to people because I knew I didn't want it to hold me back anymore. Uh, I actually had panic attacks when I turned up and couldn't even get in through the door. Uh, And that was over a period of two or three months where I was trying to do that continuously. So let me ask you this. How do you go from being absolutely frightened, scared, don't want to, I don't want to go in there to being New Zealand's networking queen? 
I actually got to the point where I was sick to death of being scared. Um, I was so tired of being scared that I just had to take action. And it didn't matter what action, I just had to do something. And even if I made mistakes, I was willing to, to do that to move forward. Um, and as I say, it took sort of eight, ten times of going along and actually not even getting in the door to then being able to stand in a room feeling very uncomfortable and probably didn't say much to anyone um, and then over time being able to actually say my name uh, introduce myself in sort of a 20 second spiel and then grow that over time and now getting to the point where I actually love meeting people and making new contacts. Nice, were you kind of standing out, I can imagine you standing outside of a room and kind of psyching yourself up being like come on Carmel I can do this let's just, we'll just walk in there and, um, and somebody will talk to you Well, more often than not, it was a case of nobody knows me. Mm -hmm. So if I really stuff it up, balls it up, uh, it's, you know, I'm not necessarily going to see these people again. And so I just knew that I had to do it for myself. Um, And and it was literally standing in a room. I think, too, with it can sort of be applied across lots of things because I know now that it's actually a practice for me to, if I'm waiting to have a meeting in a cafe with someone, I actually have to get into the practice of putting away my phone and actually just be okay with sitting there doing nothing Mm -hmm. because that's what we used to do before we had technology or we read the paper or read a magazine. Um, But for a lot of people now, that's really uncomfortable. They don't know how to be okay in their own company. And so that's a common thing that I practice still to this day just to keep me okay with, you know, being in my own environment with myself and then being able to engage with others. Really, really interesting. I find that myself as well, where you kind of like, it's yeah, it's awkward not to do anything, and then you kind of think, oh, but is that person looking at me because they're like, why is he just sitting there? Why isn't he on his phone? You know, and it, and it is that kind of you feel like you've got a shield when you've got your got your phone there. Yes, and I wonder it's a whether, protection. And I wonder whether that happens as well. I mean, I see it happen at networking events or parties or whatever, where if, if particularly younger people, if they're not talking to anybody, bam, they're on their phone. And then that almost stops people from talking to you. Yes. And so it's like this uh, perpetual problem. Yeah, it's a sense of security. Mm-hmm. Um, I've even, you know, had the experience of being in a bar, being in a restaurant, and I've forced myself to be in this position of just sitting and being in the environment. And I've actually had people come up to me from other tables and say, we feel so sorry for you. You're sitting here on your own. Do you want to join us until someone arrives? Oh, really? Yeah. That would get into some interesting um, situations. But it's an interesting scenario that people have got to that point where they're just, you know, so uncomfortable with being in their own company. Interesting. So one last question on this front is that it was about eight years ago you started Networking Queen, right? Around about the same time that you started AYP. Uh, Well, no. So I started the journey for myself of learning how to network eight years ago. The business has been going about six years. So Mm -hmm. it took me a good two years to get comfortable with it. I knew I wanted to start a business at some point. I didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Um, But after that two years sort of exploration, discovery for me, uh, so many people said to me, wow, you've just completely transformed. Uh, You've liberated yourself really. And this is fantastic. I think you should do this as a business. And so that's how the idea came about. Yeah. And when you explain it to people, do most people think, wow, I didn't even know that's a thing? Well, as far as I know, there aren't, I don't know of any particular training business in New Zealand that that actually trains people how to network. There's lots of businesses out there that offer the opportunity to network with other people, to go to events, to be part of networks, but actually having some one-to-one training or, you know, groups of people having training around how do I physically walk in a room, how do I open my mouth, what preparation do I do beforehand, how do I follow up? How do I show people that I'm interested in them with my body language and facial mm-hmm. expressions? And I imagine that the big fear that most people have is, what if I introduce myself to someone in the mean? Yeah, I mean, that sounds almost kiddish, like you're a, like you're a three-year-old at, at preschool. But even, even after, uh, I, I'm, I'm no introvert, but that's usually the kind of barrier for me that I always find like, I should go talk to these people. Oh, but what if, what if they're mean? <laughs> Yeah. Do you find that a lot of people have this fear? 
Um, initially they do, and that's around having the confidence to know what you're going to talk about, how you're going to ascertain whether there's someone you want to genuinely connect with and engage with further. And if not, then I give them lots of t- tips and techniques to move away because that's probably one of the biggest things that people have. There's two two biggest fears that people have is I don't know how to get started mm-hmm. and develop that conversation and then how do I get away from people? How do I exit effectively? Nice. So let's dive into it and I, I, into exploring a little bit about what a great networking strategy looks like um, from the start. And just before we jumped uh, online and started recording, you'd mentioned that um, the best place to start is at the end or the goal that you're trying to achieve from using networking at the start. So if you're helping a potential client um, put together a networking strategy, how do you usually go about starting that? Well, really, I want to understand um, what the business is and and what they're trying to achieve by networking in the first place. For some people, it's about, well, for everybody, it's obviously about getting clients. But sometimes it's actually also about educating the market that they work in Mm -hmm. or the industry that they work in or people outside the industry, educating them on what they do. Um, And so... I sit down with people for about a three-hour brainstorming session initially, really just to understand their business as an outsider, mm-hmm. um, because quite often people who run a business know that they're very subjective, they're caught up in it, that they don't necessarily see it in the same way that people outside the business do. Mm-hmm. So it's a great way for me to get to understand the business and therefore what they're wanting to achieve. From there, we then sort of look at, okay, what are the types of target markets that they're looking at and how do we approach them, how do we catch their attention and then how do we look at specific networks or events or opportunities where you can get in front of a maximum number of people in a short space of time. Mm. Mm. And I suppose as well for a lot of the listeners at home who potentially maybe not don't run their own businesses but are working uh, in a professional capacity or, or out there looking looking for a job, it can also be uh, a way to go out and meet potential employers or people who are, who work in the type of jobs or market that they'd want to join as well. Yes. I mean, the business that I'm in, the focus really is on face-to-face interaction. But in order to do that and, and be comfortable with that process, there often is, well, there is work that you have to do behind the scenes beforehand. And that's why I find LinkedIn is a, a great place for people to be able to do a little, do a little research, um, ascertain potential people that they might want to be in contact with and how do I get in front of those people at an event because there's much more chance of having that interaction face-to-face and doing it well mm-hmm. than it necessarily from sending an email, even though that can work as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so say that I'm... Um I don't know, I'm a business owner, I'm a student looking to get uh, to, to land a job after graduation. If we're starting with the outcome that they're looking to achieve, they're looking to, to get a job, but how do we use networking to get up to that place where you can, can get into that, um, that situation where you can ask those types of questions so that you can ask for the job? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, understanding if, if they have that understanding, I know that I didn't when I left university, of what kind of industry the job that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's actually getting down to what are the things that they get really enthusiastic about, they're passionate about, mm-hmm. um, and then how do you get in front of people who work in those industries? So trying to look for events that uh, they would potentially attend, but also having a potential introduction on LinkedIn to ask for a one-to-one meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you know some of the people who are part of my key network, and we'll probably touch on that a bit later, um, there's 17, 18 people in that network, and one of them was someone that I had never met before, but I totally felt inspired uh, by what they were doing. And so I really thought that it would give value to me as a person, but also to be part of my um, impromptu advisory network. And so I contacted this person um, via email through LinkedIn, actually, and just said that I wanted to be able to have a coffee when they're free. And we met and 
hit it off and they've always been a great advisor to me. Um, and he's involved with a lot of philanthropic work through New Zealand and that's a pe- personal passion of mine. Um, and so I'm able to work alongside him and and soak up really everything that he's doing, which is fantastic. And it makes me a better person as well. Yeah, so it, it almost seems that what you're saying with, while your personal focus of networking is face-to-face interactions that's not necessarily how that's not just what networking is it's also using linkedin or um i was just, i was going to say facebook probably not for the interactions we type of business interactions we're talking about but email and all types of ways that you can connect directly with people it almost seems that that networking is really about direct, directly connecting with a person rather than just connecting with people at events. Yes, yes. And the the beauty of it is that, you know, as I've said, and you've said that, you know, my business is about face-to-face, but actually the connections online, whether that's social media or LinkedIn or Mm -hmm. any other avenue, um, is a natural extension of that and and extends that relationship if you want it to be, to cultivate it and develop it more. Really interesting. So I, just diving back into this kind of mock strategy that we're, we're building out. So um, I'm, if I'm a graduate student, I'm looking to get a job at Deloitte, let's say. So the first thing is realize if, what we've talked about is realizing that you want to get a job at Deloitte in this case. So we're going to try and find events where the types of people who would make hiring decisions at Deloitte would go. Yes, but initially, even before that, mm-hmm. uh, my advice would be to get a really good profile on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and because potential employers are going to look at LinkedIn and, and what profile you have, and it's essentially a one-page CV for any potential jobs. The beauty of doing that too is that then you'll, because you have a profile, you'll be able to see all the people that you know who may have a connection to Deloitte, as an example. So if they know people within that business, then you potentially have someone that you could start to talk to and get an understanding in how you can approach the business to get a job overall. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you, again, I, I love building out kind of sales sales funnels or like um, flow maps so that I, I can visualize like what's a, what actually these kinds of processes are so that... What would the outcome we're really looking for in this is trying to get a coffee meeting with with a decision maker, right? Is, yes. Is to yep. to start this kind of relationship where you can get to know, um, you know what what they're looking for, if they're hiring, when they're hiring, all these types of things. So you um, once you figure out that you want to go for Deloitte. You know you want to get the coffee meeting with this type of person. You create a, gr- a really great LinkedIn profile to see whether you can facilitate some online connections with people you'd already know. Yes, and, and people who potentially can introduce you to that person or someone who knows that person. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that a lot of people at home might be thinking, but I I don't really know how to ask somebody for that introduction. I imagine you get that question quite a bit. What would you, what would you kind of say if somebody asked a question like that? Uh, I think that's one of the biggest things that people find so difficult. But actually, if you don't ask, you don't get. And in my mind, if someone says no, that's okay, at least I know. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have the curiosity of always wondering, oh, did that person actually, could they have helped me and I didn't ask for their help. So if you know someone who knows someone, you know, because you have got an interaction with someone already and a connection, ask that person, it's okay, They'll either say yes or no, and then mm-hmm. you'll know for sure and be able to explore other avenues. And would you call that person, that the intermediary person who you've already got a connection with, or would you um, give them a call or email, or how would you how would you go about doing that? Well, it depends on, on what extent of that relationship is that you have with them. Uh, for probably time-saving purposes, uh, it works to have a quick LinkedIn message to them. Um, personal message to them and it's simply just saying look um, we haven't seen you in a while if, if it's an interaction a friend someone you know um, I see that you're connected with such and such I'm looking to potentially get a, a job at this, this firm is there any way that you would be able to introduce me or is if they're not the right person do you know someone who you could introduce me to that could facilitate and get mm-hmm. that ball rolling yeah, and I guess the big thing that I always find with asking for, essentially you're asking for a referral there. Yes. Um, but when you're asking for an introduction as, 
arming your the person you're asking for it with a reason to go and talk to this other person that you're looking to be introduced to, yes. you know, so that I, whenever I've asked for um, introductions to people, I always... It, the, the issue isn't whether to do it or not. You always want to do it for your friends or your network or whatever. The issue is, well, if I'm going to introduce another of my contacts to the, the person asking for it, what is, when I go to the person, what am I, what am I really asking this person yeah. for? What is and the reason? Yeah, what's, what's the kind of reason behind it? And I can imagine that as long as you arm that person with that, it's usually fine. You know, it's just coming up with, well, what's the reason for the introduction? Because you probably couldn't say, um, I, I want to be introduced to Paul Smith because I want him to hire me or because I want a job at Deloitte. Well, there are a lot of, lot of people who want jobs at Deloitte. But if there's some other reason, like you want to gain insight into the process, you want to do a million other things, you know, run a few quick questions past him over email, you know, there could be a million different things that you're asking for, but something that's a little, little kind of softer than I want him to hire me. Is that the kind of right advice? I'm, or am I yes. Just- yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Uh, you want to be able to networking is about making a personal connection with someone so it's it's focusing on people not necessarily on what you can offer them or what you want from them and so by doing it in that way you know it it's a great opportunity too to to have a look at that person's profile that you actually want to be in touch with because who knows you may have shared connections there you may also have shared interests um, in terms of where they grew up where they went to school in the sports clubs, those types of things. But also, too, reading through their summary, there may be key things that have been of total interest to you and therefore you would like to explore that and ask those questions of that person. And I guess what you're kind of saying is, I haven't really anybody heard a phrase like this, is that sometimes people just want to meet others because it's interesting, you know, yes. or because they're like-minded, you know, and pe- they want to talk about stuff. I mean, if it was me in this position of this great, this graduate looking for a job uh, at Deloitte, I'd probably be reading th- like all the partners publish um, publish content um, and research reports and all of these things a- as part of their marketing. So if you, I mean, this is quite a high-value interaction mm-hmm. that we're talking about. You only need one job. So if you were to um, find out exactly the type of partner that you're you're looking to uh, talk to at Deloitte, maybe they're, um, I don't know, in strategy or something, you go and read one of their research papers, and if you found it really interesting, you, you could arm the person you're asking for the introduction with, I've read this paper. It was really fascinating. Um, I had a couple of quick questions about it or wanted to, you know, probe. probe. Explore some areas of it yeah explore how the strategy team works together i mean you could come up with a million different questions but then it's like a high value introduction to the to to the the partner at deloitte in this case rather than um rather than a just meet this person because he's looking for a job it's like he's actually done his research yeah that's a huge part of it because it's it's like a cv with a cover letter if you haven't actually made it specific to that firm you've kept it quite general they get a million of those so how are you going to stand out from the rest yeah exactly and it's funny because the last time we caught up um you you had mentioned that you had a kind of a bit of a uh a weird introduction if i if i can mention that where you're introduced to somebody but you didn't know why yes yeah um that that's a difficult one because if you don't have an understanding of of the reason behind it, then how do you sort of facilitate that and explore it further? And you don't want to waste people's time. That's the worst thing that we can do. Um, so it, I had to go back to the contact who was introducing us and just explore that a little more and, and see where they thought it might go. Uh, and then I was able to arm myself and call that person and have the confidence that I knew what it was going to entail mm-hmm. and that they would know what the reason I was calling too. Did it all work out in the end? Yeah, it did. It's 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 something that's in its early stages, um, but it's an, a relationship that I'm developing and cultivating over a period of time. Nice. Just to finish off this little um, networking strategy for for this graduate person, we've got the digital side where they can go through LinkedIn. How would they use in person networking events to try and uh, find you know partners at Deloitte? Is it that they'd again look for for events where these people might be attending and then look to to attend those or yes definitely uh 
it's good too to have a, a mixed sort of approach in terms of events too. So it might be industry specific events, uh, or it could be quite generalised networking events. But to have the opportunity to be able to get in, in front of those people, um, or someone who's directly working with those people and there are a couple of strategies that uh, have been really beneficial to me in terms of once I decide that potentially an event may be beneficial to me I have asked the organisers if they would provide a guest list and a lot of people don't think to ask that question because they feel that because of the Privacy Act they probably wouldn't be they'd be told no Um, More often than not, I've had probably a 75% success rate of people who have said to me, yes, I can provide you with the first name of this person and the company that they're coming from, but no other contact details. Um, And that's enough for me to be able to do a bit of a research exploring on LinkedIn to find Mm -hmm. out more information about that person and is that someone I want to focus on in an event. So instead of working a room of 100, 200 people where you can't do it justice – all of a sudden, if you get a guest list, you have it really broken down. You can really ascertain and focus on specific people who might be there. For those people who are told no and they can't get that information, what I tend to do is try and arrive sort of 10 minutes into the beginning of a, an event. Um, and that way, there's often networking at the beginning before the formalities start. So you have an opportunity really to peruse the registration name tags at the registration desk before most people arrive. And again, you can ascertain are there particular people here that I want to focus on and, and make sure that I have a conversation with. Mm. Over a two, two and a half hour period, including formalities, you've actually only got about 50 to 60 minutes to engage with others, and that could be split into two half-hour segments. So what I have found is I've come up with a five-minute conversation formula to be able to start, develop, and exit a conversation knowing that I'm either going to continue that conversation with a one-to-one at a later date or it wasn't quite right for me, but I can then move on and talk to other people. And this is, so you're using these little five-minute chunks to essentially screen people of whether you want the follow-up kind of meeting or or not in this case. Yeah, I mean, most of that five minutes is actually taken up in how do I personally connect with this person? Because if you can't connect with someone, if you're just trying to sell a product or service, they're not going to engage and therefore want to know more about what you do. Mm -hmm. Uh, So how do we ascertain that we actually get to know them as a person what brought them along to this event what what was of interest to them do they know other people that have attended if it's their first time where else do they go that may be of interest to me so it's a great research tool for us as well in terms of understanding what other networks are out there because I know even though I'm in networking there are new networking groups happening all the time and being created every week and there's over 100 networking groups that meet in Auckland every week alone. I didn't even realise it was that many, but that's, that's a lot. I was, I was going to say as well, how do you get into a, a, a conversation? What's the best way to do that? Because that, that, we were talking offline that the two biggest fears people have is getting into a conversation and then getting out. I know for me, my biggest pitfall, I think, is that I don't get out of conversations quick enough. I could be standing there for half an hour talking to somebody for, for a long, 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 long time. Um, so, so is that formula that you've got, that, that five-minute process, that's something you, you proprietary that you take your clients through? Yes, and it was something that I personally had to go through. So everything that I uh, teach clients is is a a process that I've had to follow myself. Um, It came up to be five minutes. I mean, we don't necessarily time this, but it's based on the fact that we might interact, ask three or four questions, and when we've both answered those three or four questions, we're going to ascertain whether or not we want to continue that conversation at a later date, ask for their card, and then move on. Um, So generally a way that I will always start a conversation is finding commonality. Why are we both in the same room at exactly the same time in the same place? Mm -hmm. So you've shown interest in this event where you've been told by a boss that you have to go. Uh, And, you know, what is the reason that you're there? Is it because you like the sound of the, the topic or the speaker 
or the organisation running that event, what is that commonality? So my first question I always start with is, what brings you along today? Mm -hmm. And it could be, my friend dragged me along because she's fearful of networking. It could be all sorts of things, but it's just a really easy, nice way to start that conversation. And then, is that like the ice icebreaker because so it's I what I often see at networking events and this happens to me as well is that you've got two people they like they're both not talking to anybody but they don't know how to break that wall and so you're always kind of to to just look over and be like so what brings you along here tonight yeah I mean uh one of, that's one of the um, best techniques that I've had is actually being able to find someone else in the room who's a first timer um, because all of a sudden you realise you're both on the same level you're both not sh- unsure of what's happening how to go about it and potentially you can work together to, to go around the room as a tag team effectively mm-hmm. so uh, I find it far easier to approach one person who looks a bit lost or unsure than to approach two people who are already in a conversation. I find that quite difficult. And sometimes even groups. But over the eight years that I've been in networking, I've also developed a lot of strategies around how do I approach one person to or a group of people effectively. Really interesting. I, I find groups, as you kind of mentioned, re- really quite difficult. Um, but two people, I've, I... Uh, it's usually okay because you can kind of walk up and then my, my little my tactic, which you've probably seen a million times, my first question is always, I love your, and then insert item of clothing here. And it always just gets going after that. Mm. But I find that that only works with women. It doesn't work very well with men because men are wearing suits. So you don't go up and be like, I love your suit because that's weird. You wouldn't say that. To, you wouldn't necessarily say that to a guy. And as long as that compliment is genuine... Yeah, it it definitely works. I mean, the biggest thing for me with networking is actually, the the biggest thing behind it is actually generosity. Mm -hmm. It's what can we offer to other people and give to them genuinely and sincerely before we ask for something from them. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest part of networking. It's what can we give out to others in order to receive something back. Mm -hmm. And then once you get into this conversation, you've got, Three, your three or four questions, which essentially are qualifying people about if they if they are a good fit for what you're trying to achieve at the end, right? Yes, you know, and that's going to be different for every single person. Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the things in terms of approaching a group, which I think you talked about, was often I've identified before I've gone along of a person, and they potentially are in this group, so. How do I get in front of that person when there's a whole group of people around them? And one of the approaches that I use is actually to make eye contact with that person. So make sure I'm standing in a place where they will see me. I ha- a Very few people don't acknowledge you with a smile. They know that potentially you're wanting to engage with them and therefore they will open up the space. Generally we meet in circles, so they'll open up that space that you can actually stand beside them. You won't necessarily have the opportunity at that moment in time to talk to them because there's often someone who's engaged the group in conversation already. But once there's a pause in that conversation, you'll turn to each other and naturally uh, be able to start and engage and you can ask the the key questions that you may already know about that person or the fact that you wanted to introduce yourself to that person because of set reason. So you do, you give them a little stare down? Not a stare down, it's it's purely just catching their attention so that they're aware that someone actually wants to interact with them. I've never heard of this. This is like every every time we chat, it's like a new kind of brainwave of psychology or something um, that, that comes into networking. Most people too will will react in a positive way, so mm-hmm. they they will smile. Um, they, you know, in a circle we gather in circles and groups in New Zealand, and so more often not people when they know you're approaching, they will take a step back mm. to allow that space for you to be in there as well. Interesting. I find that myself as well. When you kind of see people who start to approach, you naturally start to open up to be more inclusive. I'm not sure if that's just our culture in New Zealand or whether, yes. or whether that's, that's everybody just naturally does that around the world. But it's certainly what I find here. Yeah, it's definitely something we do in New Zealand. And we almost do it on autopilot too. Mm-hmm. And that's 
you know, a lot of what I do in terms of training and coaching people is actually understanding. We do a lot of the stuff, but we don't understand why we do it and how important it actually is. So we do those things on autopilot, but actually it's having a huge impact on that person knowing that they're going to be received well. Mm-hmm. And therefore that interaction, it sets the tone for a really good interaction to come. Nice. And so we're, we've, we've come into this conversation, we've asked our questions, how do you begin to exit? So there's probably oh, double digits of, of techniques that you can use. Um, in a business environment, it's perfectly legitimate to say that, you know, thank you uh, for the conversation. Um, I do need to get on and meet some other people. And that's completely a valid reason so don't be afraid to say that um, for others it's you've actually seen someone you know across the room and you'd like to re-engage with them as long as that's an honest thing and there actually is someone fantastic uh, some people use going to the bathroom I personally don't use that but um, if that's a, a valid reason then obviously have that sometimes it's actually just saying you know can I have your business card? I'd love to meet with you for that one-to-one. And that handing over the business card is actually a, a subtle signal that this conversation's wrapping up mm-hmm. and moving on. I can understand that as well. Yeah. I kind of like the approach of it, coming back to the generosity um, kind of angle you were, you were talking about before, is if you were to say something along the lines of, look, I realise that there are a lot of people here tonight who probably are wanting to meet you, so I won't take up too much of your time, um, but I'd love to grab your business card uh, to, you know, grab Reconnect it. later. Re- reconnect at some point later, because then it comes back to the, the value for them, makes them feel a little more important. Um you know, and you can kind of do what you do after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The other one that I've heard, and I'd love to quickly get your take on this, is that if you're going to um, leave somebody, say you've got a, a wet blanket with you, uh, not physically, I'm talking about a person, you know, <laughs> that if you're going to essentially, I'm going to use this word, ditch them, that you, you should always go over to the drinks table or some sort of neutral space if there's a... Um, a refreshments table and then kind of move away from there because then it's kind of the space where you you can leave them without feeling too bad about it. Yeah, uh, that's right. People gather around food and drink. So wherever that is, being able to invite that person to come with you to that table, uh, it's very easy then to, to introduce one person to another and sometimes it's a case of standing next to someone at a table um, you've literally just met them 10 seconds beforehand. You've then introduced them to the person that you've brought along with you and they start a conversation. And then you can run away. Well, it's not so much run away. You actually do let them know that you're physically moving away. So it might be simply saying, excuse me, and then leave them to it. Um, that's been one of the easiest techniques for me. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's a case of getting a drinks refill for yourself um, and that's a, a way for you to be able to pull away from a group um, because that's a legitimate reason mm-hmm. um, sometimes you know you have the intention of always going back to that group but for whatever reason someone else catches you and that's perfectly fine as well nice well I think we could ch- chat about this for probably another couple of hours but I'd lo- just before we wrap up I'd love to have a chat about do's and don'ts um, in, in networking because it seems like there's a even though a lot of um, the, the kind of physical um, events we've talked about tonight are actually quite casual drinks events um, there's a lot of kind of unsaid covert social structures that just happen to be in place that you've got to kind of navigate which is potentially where some of the awkwardness comes in mm-hmm. so I'd love to blast through some of you know Carmel's top do's and don'ts within networking okay um well, we'll probably start with the don'ts first. Uh, as much as possible, you know, be present in that moment and what's happening. So um, as a female, I discard the handbag and the phone. And all I have in my hand is my business card holder. Um, and that way then I can, you know, I'm not distracted by anything else. Uh, be really comfortable with the clothing that you're wearing as well so you're not fidgeting or self-conscious. Um, for men, sometimes it's actually taking off that suit jacket and, and just feeling re- more relaxed. 
Um, so again, putting that on a chair nearby, etc. Uh, I try as much as possible and I still haven't come across a lot of networking events that do this, but the ideal for the scenario with food and drink is that food should be able to go in your mouth in one bite because the moment you start to bite into something, um, it could fall all over the floor and create a mess, etc. and it's just untidy. So ideally you want to be able to put it in your mouth in, in one mouthful, um, but often food comes out in, in a lot bigger um, mm-hmm. portions than that. Um, I always try to keep food in my left hand um, because if you don't have a serviette or an opportunity to be able to clean your hand, you don't want to have that with your right hand when you're going to shake someone's hand. So as much as possible, I have my drink in my right hand, change it to my left and shake that way. That is so smart and so obvious once you kind of explain the rationale behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, we've all had that mistake of, you know, I've got greasy hands from a pastry or something and then you're, you know, going to wipe it somewhere you've got nowhere and then you can't, you know, facilitate and, and open that discussion with someone. Interesting. So that most of those you don't, do you have any specific do's? Um, I think smile. Mm-hmm. Even if you're really nervous, uh, people relate to a smile. A smile is a universal language. doesn't matter where you go, people understand what a smile means. Uh, keeping your eyes at that sort of eye level rather than, you know, I made the mistake very early in the piece of constantly looking at the floor, which sets the tone for people in terms of, you know, they may feel that you're either have lack of confidence or you could be seen as being arrogant and not wanting to interact with people. So just making sure that we walk in confident uh, with eyes straight ahead. Um, what other things? Uh, saying thank you. Most people don't realise this and it's really obvious, but... I always thank the organisers as I walk into any event, whether it's an industry conference, a staff meeting, whatever the case may be. Uh, actually, thanking the person who has put it together because it takes time and effort to do that. Immediately, you can see that they lighten, they feel valued and appreciated. We automatically assume that they know that they're valued and appreciated, but until we verbalise it, they don't actually realise that. So that, again... Um, has great impact and I'll share one example if I can of how that was powerful Uh, I attended an event ATEG which is Auckland Tourism Education and Economic Development Agency Um, one of their first events and hundreds of people there Um, but my first interaction with the person at the registration desk I spoke to her for about 40 seconds and I thanked her for being uh, organising this event that was my only interaction with her I wanted to thank her at the end of the night as well but I didn't get to see her three days later I had three emails from three companies I had never heard of who had spoken to this person she had gone back to her day job the next day had gone through their database an extensive database at that um, and was able to have some introductions for me without actually me having to do anything at all. And you didn't ask for those? No, no. So it's amazing too, people underestimate, like a receptionist um, in a a business that actually an organiser, someone who's running around doing the jobs at an event is actually a key person in the room because they can introduce you firstly to people who are there on the night. They have, um, they've taken the RSVPs so they know who those people are but also that extensive network or database once they get back to the office Mm. that they can introduce you to so who doesn't want business given to you on a plate like that Mm. and that was from a 40 second interaction with this lady and she said she loved you know she appreciated the fact that I thanked her for it Mm -hmm. um for putting on an event that's so key because the people guaranteed the person organising the event knows most of the people in the room already or at least knows who they are what they do has a, has a kind of uh, introduction right at their very start or a connection with every single person who, who comes at the very start and then can facilitate those introductions mm. so I think yeah, the importance of actually verbalising thank you to people mm-hmm. is, is huge 
And if we're going to do it at all, it seems to be at the end of the night. So why not be completely different, stand out from the crowd, be that 5% that goes the extra mile, spend five seconds actually saying to someone at the beginning of an event, thank you for doing this. I appreciate the time and effort that goes into it. Nice. And it sets the tone for what's to come. One of my clients um, a couple of years ago was a restaurant and they were having a few teething problems with training new staff, etc., that could potentially impact the experience for a patron. And so one of the things that we worked on and talked about was actually, okay, so when they turn up for their booking and they're about to be seated, how is that interaction? They took through what we would generally see in restaurants happening. And actually what I said to them was, why don't you start out by saying thank you for choosing to dine with us this evening. We appreciate your business. And then take them to their seat. They tried that and they were amazed at the impact it had because even if they had teething problems throughout the night, because the tone had been set at the beginning for a positive experience, they were more willing to be patient and understanding of those mishaps. And it created a much greater experience for all involved staff and guests. I imagine you'd feel a lot more relaxed as a guest as well. You know, that you're kind of feeling valued. Yeah, uh, right that's, that's the whole thing. You know, that generosity of feeling valued and appreciated as a human being. We all want to belong and be part of that. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you something? A lot of the, the the major do I hear from people when they talk about networking is ask lots of questions. Um but there's also this kind of uh, you want to ask lots of questions because you're generally interested in people but you don't want to come across as kind of the, an interviewer or, or interrogator. reporter or interrogator you know because I mean uh, I remember, I know that very very early on in my career um you know, when I'd go to these types of things, I'd ask all these types of questions. Like, you know, you want me to ask questions, I'll ask questions all, all day, every day. Um, but how do you strike that balance between not being an interrogator but still showing that you're interested by asking questions? Well, the com- the conversation formula that I've come up with is actually focused on not actually talking about work. So work only comes in at about one, one and a half minutes and questions around that because you actually want to have that one-to-one meeting with them at a later date and that's when you talk the business. Um, A lot of that five-minute conversation, sort of three, three and a half minutes, is actually around what are your interests and hobbies? What do you like to do when you're not working so that I can get a picture of who you are as a person? Do we share the same values? Do we have the same uh, common interests? How can we take this and move this into a space where we can actually talk about work and have that ongoing communication? Mm-hmm. And so if somebody wants to get a hold of this magical five-minute formula, how, how do they go, go about it? Yeah. Well, Networking Queen was set up as a series of three-hour interactive sessions. Um, I do them one-to-one, but also in groups of maximum 10. And really these... Um, Because they are interactive, I want as much for people to ask questions, share stories, because I learn just as much from my clients as they do from me. Uh, We have a workbook, textbook um, guide to go through, and really it's about putting into place some strategies, some scripts at the end of that session. So by the time they've left that three-hour session, it's not just a whole lot of information that's been put to you for you to then go and act on. It's actually we've put some of this in place in the session that you can put into play at the next um, event or staff meeting, conference, corporate visit that you have, and you can put that into play straight away. And, and practice those strategies. Mm. So I guess this this kind of three-hour session that you take people through is about taking the kind of templates that you have but making sure that it's it's like a turnkey solution um, and that you can just t- take the outputs of the session and go and use them straight away because they've already been personalised for your industry, what you're trying to achieve, all of these types of things. Yeah, and one of the biggest things that we focus on in in sort of the first foundational session is actually, what do you do? Uh, Because that's a question that a lot of people ask. It shouldn't be the first question you ask someone, but it does come up. And more often than not, people will go off on a tangent. So how do we keep their focus, their attention, by being able to explain to them in probably 10 words or less what you do? 
being, being able to create a maximum of a sort of 30-second story that will entice people to want to know more and invite them to ask questions because that's how you know whether they're going to be engaged or not. Okay, so this is this is so technical. So that's why it has to be a three-hour session. And if people are interested in that, where do they go and find out about that? Um, so I have um, a range of workshops that are briefly listed on the website, um, but feel free to also make contact with me via email. Um, there are three parts to my business. One of them is, is the coaching aspect of workshops and sessions. Um, there's being able to be a speaker. So I, um, my personal story and being able to share with others and learn from them around experiences with that. So um, I enjoy meeting new people and, and talking at conferences, etc. around that. And then connecting. So one of the things that people hate most about anything is that cold call aspect. Um, because I have such an extensive network, uh, people are able to ask me if I know someone in particular that they want to talk to. And for a small fee, I may be able to warmly introduce them to that person rather than them having to work themselves. And I know from experience, sometimes uh, trying to get a connection for six, nine months on my own has not been beneficial and a good use of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a great avenue for people who want to have those introductions, maybe regulate their cash flow, um, and also you know be able to get into those networks to look for a job, for instance, in a much quicker way. Fantastic. And your website is carmelmurphy.co.nz or it is. is it networkingqueen.com? I always forget. I carmelmurphy.co.nz. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming coming along today, uh, Carmel, and having a, having a chat about networking, what it is and what it isn't. Look, thank you so much for listening to the New Zealand Young Professionals podcast. Of course, my name is Ed McKnight. Now, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please head along to our Facebook page, which is NZ Young Professionals Podcast, and give us a like on there. And I would also be incredibly grateful if you'd be able to share a quick review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening app. That's a really great way to help get other cool young professionals like yourself to uh, be aware of and start listening to the show Uh, as always you can flick me a quick email with any of your feedback I read absolutely everything and promise that I will respond it sometimes just takes a little while flick me an email at ed at edmcknight.com and of course you can check out all of our other episodes we've got a big old library at nzyoungprofessionalspodcast.com until next time The New Zealand Young Professionals Podcast, hosted by Ed McKnight and brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.